Hi guys, welcome back to another Q&A Sunday on the channel, all about social media marketing, sales, Facebook ads, and the SMA industry. So every single Sunday, guys, on the channel, I'm going to go through, you know, 15 to 20 of the most up-to-date, commonly asked questions that I get on my Instagram and answer them for you. Um, on these YouTube videos. Sometimes Tom will hop on, sometimes it'll just be me, sometimes it'll just be Tom. But every single Sunday alongside our other videos, we're going to do these Q&A style videos where we just run through like 15 to 20 rapid fire questions that you guys have asked and you guys are currently struggling with. But if you have any questions and you want some questions to be answered on the next call, message me on Instagram every week on my Instagram, which is Harry underscore SMA. I do a question time and you can just submit your questions there and I'll answer the best ones on these videos. So like I say, please, please, please make sure you subscribe, turn the bell notification on so that you're, you're updated when we release these videos in the future. And in between those during the week, we post every day on different topics anyway, in like longer form content. So without further ado, we'll get into the videos. So first question is how can I identify what I'm doing wrong in my cold calls? So this is a very good question. So firstly, you need to kind of build the knowledge of how to operate a cold call. If you're just picking up a cold call, you've done no kind of experience building or you know building that skill set and you don't actually understand how to carry out a proper cold call then firstly you need to learn that you need to learn what's appropriate what's not appropriate how to start them off how to end them um but in terms of kind of troubleshooting those cold calls record some of your cold calls and i did this really early on in my agency because when i first were was producing videos on youtube and when i first got on calls or even meetings i had lots of filler words in my vocabulary so in between speaking i'd have lots of ums or pauses or you know different different filling words that were making me sound or making me not communicate in the best way possible and the best way to do this is by filming yourself speak and listening back to it so if you're going to sit down for a 2 hour call calling session get zoom up or get loom uh, and record yourself, you know, seeing yourself useful as well and do all of your cold calls on Loom and then listen to them back. Because what you'll find is listening back to the conversations, the conversation was actually very different to how you thought the conversation went. In your head, you might have thought, right, I was speaking reasonably well there. You know, I'm not sure where it all went wrong. But when you when you listen to it back, you were speaking so fast. You had loads of filler words. You didn't give them time to speak. There was actually a few occasions where they tried to speak and you didn't let them. And there's stuff like that that you can pick up on by listening back. So step one would be make sure you understand how to operate a call. And that can just be done on YouTube um, or even a course if you if you have access to one. Um, but secondly, record your calls and listen back to them and you can see where and how you've went wrong. Question two, what should I do if my Facebook ads keep on getting rejected? Go onto the Facebook ad policies and read every single word of those of that policy document. There's going to be things on there like misleading information. There's going to be inappropriate content, products and services you're not actually allowed to advertise on the platform. You need to read that document and you need to read it quite regularly because they they update it quite often. And you'll, you'll just be breaking one of the policies that you just quite frankly can't, you know, you might be saying something in your copy, you might be showing an image that you can't show, you might be targeting certain people when you can't for that industry, like you need to understand what's acceptable. And if you've read those policies, and you're still getting rejected ads, then you need you need to fucking read them again, because it's quite clear what isn't what is and what isn't acceptable.
Um, so read the read the policies. Go to facebook.com forward slash policies. I think it is, or just type in Facebook ad policies or terms of service and it'll appear on Google. What would I say is the most um, unsaturated niche? I hate this question. Um, I always get, Harry, what's the most saturated niche? What's the most profitable niche? And the answer is there isn't a most profitable niche. The most profitable niche is one that pays you. My most profitable niche is going to be different to your most profitable niche because you might have more natural advantages in some niches. You might you might have an inner circle filled with four people that own a law, a law firm. I might have a network of five dental practice owners. So the most profitable niche is one that you have the most access to and you have the most knowledge about and that you gel the most with because different business owners and different industries usually have different types of people. For example, if you're going after landscapers or builders or plumbers or electricians, those are all a certain type of people. They're all quite straight to the point in the color scheme of a person, they're all categorized as red people, usually straight to the point, want to know the figures, don't have a lot of time in the day. So if your personality doesn't gel with them, and you're quite a timid, soft person who doesn't respond well to kind of alpha male men, you're not going to respond well to that industry. So you need to choose an industry that fits and aligns with your personality. And that's going to be the most profitable industry for you. But in terms of saturated and unsaturated, the way I always ask this answer this question is, you know, there isn't a most saturated niche. If 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 I was going to choose a most saturated niche, I'd say it was a dental practice niche. However, if that was truly saturated, we wouldn't have signed two dental practices in 2023 already. Like, so it's not really saturated. It's just, it's only saturated if you don't know what you're doing, you're doing all the bad practices and you don't have a good brand. So nothing's oversaturated. It's oversaturated for people who don't know what they're doing and people who don't know how to run an agency in the correct way. But if you know what you're doing, you've got a good brand and you understand it, then you can sign clients in literally any industry. The next question, guys, is should I focus on growing my own Facebook page? Low likes might show them I can't grow my own page. Um, I get this question a lot. Usually it's to do with Instagram. And unless you're selling social media management, this doesn't really matter at all. For example, if you're selling, if your service is all about, right, I can grow your Instagram page, I can grow your Facebook page, I can make you more engaged on social media and you've got seven followers that gets one like on a post, then yeah, that, that's going to show that you don't really practice what you preach. You can't even do it for your own page, let alone someone else over a three-month period. However, if you're selling sales funnel creation, email marketing, and Facebook ads, you know your Facebook and Instagram following, that isn't going to really be representative of if you've got a good service or not. For example, I might have 15,000 followers on Instagram now, but my agency was making well over $10,000 a month until I even had a thousand followers. So you don't have to have a high following in order for you to do, you know, to do well in social media marketing. Yes. If you're doing Instagram outreach, which really that's only going to be effective for certain industries like online coaches, then you are going to want to have a bit of following because it gives you some social proof. But like I said, it's not essential and it's certainly not going to hinder you unless you're doing social media management, Instagram growth, then you without a doubt are going to have to have a strong Instagram profile. The next question guys is how can I show the, how can I show a client that my service is something they need? Now this is a very good question. And the way you do this is the presentation. This is, this is exactly what that 30 minute presentation, 30 minute zoom call is there to do. So, and it's why you don't pitch on the, on the cold call you on the cold call. The whole aim of the cold call is to get them on a meeting where they turn up face to face can be face to face in person. It can be on zoom. It can be on teams, but they need to be on a video call. And in that call is where you pitch your services and you don't go straight into say, hi, nice to meet you. 
you know, we have a social media marketing agency that sells stuff for $1,500 a month. They're just immediately going to be no. The whole presentation needs to be as unsalesy as possible. And in that presentation is all about you showcasing to them exactly what your strategy is and exactly how you're going to get them results. The whole aim of that strategy is to get them to understand how their money is going to get spent and how they're going to get a return on that money. If in that presentation, they come away from it still not 100% understanding how they're going to make money by paying you $1,500 a month, you've done a terrible job and you're not going to close them. So you you basically need to give away your whole strategy for free, say, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how you're going to get a return. And this is the process. And they're going to be like, cool. I like this. This is simple as one plus one equals two. I can't argue with that. And once you get them to that stage, it's game over because they completely understand. And that's how you're going to close them. So to answer the question, you need to just give away your whole strategy, make them understand how you're going to get them results. Because the only reason why a client wouldn't sign with you is because they don't understand what you're going to do. They don't understand how you can charge $1,500 a month just for Facebook ads because they've got a Facebook ad up in the past. And that's nothing like what you do. So yeah, so the next question is best place to hire a media buyer and what to look for in one. <sighs> this is a tricky question because I'm very against signing a media buyer straight off the bat, but I'm going to take this in two parts. If you're asking that question from a place that you've just started an agency and before you even sign a client, you're going to give that service delivery to a media buyer or an outsourced agency to deliver the service, please stop there watch a different YouTube channel because you're not going to like what I'm about to say. You will, your agency will fail within three months. You're not going to keep a client for longer than two months. And it's just going to be downhill for you. However, if you're saying that from a place of, right, I've got an established agency, I need to grow the in-house team, someone I can personally manage after understanding in copious amounts of detail how to run a successful Facebook ad so I can manage that person, then you want to look at your close network to see if anyone's in the, in the marketing industry, see if there's anyone in your industry that you'd happily train because it is a trainable skill. Um, that way you're going to get someone who's appreciative of your work. This is what Tom and I do. Before we hire someone who's already trained in Facebook ads or sales funnel creation, we look at our network and say, right, do we know anyone who's good at graphic design and we can then coach them on copywriting so they can do sales funnels? Like we, we use our network. So they're people that we trust and then we train them. Obviously it helps if they've got some existing experience. If you don't have anyone in your network and that's just physically not possible, then you are going to have to put an advertisement up on Fiverr, on Indeed, on LinkedIn, and try and get someone to work in your agency. I wouldn't get someone to work for you who has another agency, another job, another something else going on, because they're not going to be committed to you. You're not going to be able to manage them correctly because they're running ads for loads of different businesses. And do you want a media buyer running ads for you, your dentist, when he's also running ads for five other dentists who aren't with your agency. So you have no control on what they're doing with other agencies. Like it just gets messy. And I don't want to go into details. There's loads of videos on this channel in terms of why you shouldn't outsource your work and why you should learn the service delivery yourself first so you can oversee in-house employees. But you can just watch one of those videos if you're interested. But that, that kind of answers that question. Uh, the next question, what software do I need to start a law firm SMMA? And the answer to that is the same softwares you need for any other type of SMMA, whether you're running social media marketing campaigns or you're an agency for dental practices, a law firm, kitchen fitters, an e-commerce brand, you use the same software as you're going to use Go High Level, which kind of encompasses everything. You might use ClickFunnels, Zapier or Zapier. 
Um, you use AutoSend, you might use MailChimp. There's loads of softwares and there's videos on this channel that outline the different softwares that you can use. But in terms of for specifically for a law firm, it's the same. You can get away, you could probably get away with just using Go High Level for everything because it's the overall kind of software to use. Next question is how to sign your first client with no experience. Now, this is a very common question. And the best way to do it is one, not be entitled. So not going into things, expecting people to just pay you instantly and having to work for that first client. So first of all, I'd go for people in my inner circle, find people in your inner circle who own a business who could do with a small budget ad campaign running, or you could create a sales funnel them or manage their emails for a month to get a testimonial through the door for your agency that you can share. That's step one is use your inner circle. But secondly, what people really fall flat on is they'll get on a meeting, the client will say, or the potential client will say, Harry, do you have any testimonials? Have you worked with anyone else? And 90% of agencies will just say, I don't, I'm a beginner. Like, what do you want me to do? It's the complete wrong way to go about it. There's no excuse why when you don't have a client, you can't build a portfolio of your work that showcases how good you are at social media marketing, at graphic design, at copywriting. If you sell paid ads, if, if you sell sales funnels, if you sell email marketing, uh, you need to go on and create five example ad sets for your industry, five example ad creatives, five example pieces of copy. So you've got a catalog of different ad campaigns that you could have easily ran for that industry that you can show them on the call. I want you to then create an example sales funnel that you would make for a dentist if you're going after dentists, an example email sequence if you're going after dentists or any other business, an example website if you're selling websites. So you can build a portfolio that showcases the quality of your work that you can then show clients. And that's going to do the same job as a testimonial. Yeah, it's not going to be as good because you're not going to have someone directly vouching for your skills. But we've got to think, why do people want to see testimonials? They want to see testimonials to see if you're any good at what you do and to kind of have confidence in them. So you need to find other ways to put that confidence in your clients, which will be showcasing the quality of your work, showcasing the standard of it, showcasing, um, you know, that you're not just this shoddy social media marketing agency that doesn't really know what they're doing. No, like here's some example ad sets, here's example sales funnel. And they're going to be like, shit, this looks really good. I'd love for this to be for my agency. Let's get going. It's just that it, it adds confidence. But like I say, First of all, you want to hunt your inner circle. You want to see what low-hanging fruit you've got around you just to get a testimony in the door because just one person vouching you for you is going to help you tremendously. And finally, guys, the final question is, what's a good cost per lead on the Facebook ad platform? And this is a really important question, and I can answer this in quite an advanced way. What you need to realize with Facebook ads and your cost per lead or even your cost per purchase is it's all dependent on the business and it all depends on what product they're selling. If you're selling a $2,000 service, an acceptable cost per lead is going to be very different to a $100 service you're selling because you might be able to bring in leads for $200. And if that client closes a certain percentage of them, it still makes it profitable. However, if you're bringing in leads for $200 or even $50 for a $100 service, then that's not going to be profitable. So there's two things you need to look out for when calculating an acceptable cost per lead or cost per purchase. It's how much the service is and the conversion rate of those leads. So say you bring in leads for hundred pounds. 
to make it simple, obviously it's going to be a lot lower than this. Hopefully like a good, our, our average cost per lead for our lead gen clients ranges between three pounds to 15 pounds, um, depending on the industry. And that's running ad campaigns for at least a thousand. So our, so when we say our average, our average lead for a client, we all, we only use an average of once we've spent a thousand dollars on that campaign. So we're not getting a, an ad up for 10 pounds getting a lead right away and classing, right, we got a lead for one pound. No, this is over a long period of time. So in terms of calculating the an acceptable cost per lead and cost per purchase, you need to look at what the conversion rate of those leads are. So for example sake, say you're bringing in leads for £100 and the service you're selling is a £1,000 service. So say you bring in 10 leads. You've spent £1,000 on 10 leads for a £1,000 service. If that client has a 100% conversion rate of the leads that you bring in, and when I say conversion rate, I mean every lead that comes in, they convert that lead, an email, a phone number, um, and a name into the £1,000 sale. That means for every lead you bring in, they're going to make a £900 profit. So for that £1,000 to spend on ad spend, you get 10 leads and they're going to make £10,000 in revenue, which is amazing. So that £100 lead's 100% worth it. If they had a 100% conversion rate, a 900 pound lead still makes sense because they make a hundred pound profit. However, if the conversion rate of their leads, which is 10%, which is more way more realistic than a hundred percent, that means you're going to bring in 10 leads for a thousand pounds and they're only going to convert one of them. So if they convert one of them, that means they have to bring in 10 leads in order to make a thousand pounds. So they break even. So if your cost per lead is a hundred pounds and you've got a thousand pound service and they convert 10% of the leads, then that's break even. So that's showing you in order for that Facebook ad campaign to be profitable, you have to get either their conversion rate to increase or the cost per lead to decrease. So that's how you work out what's acceptable. So therefore, in your Facebook ad campaigns, you can say to the client, right, as an absolute minimum, unless you increase your conversion rate by getting better at sales or we increase the quality of the leads, we cannot bring in leads for more expensive than £100. Any lower, then it's profitable. So say we bring, then bring in leads for £50, that conversion rate is 10%. That means they're going to get a 2x multiplier on their revenue because we bring in 10 leads to 500 pounds and they convert 10% of those. So they get one. That's a thousand pound in revenue or 500 pound ad spend. So it's a 2x multiplier. And so that's how you need to work it out. But, but furthermore, if you're selling a service for a thousand pounds, that's not necessarily what you should use. You need to, you need to use the profit of that service. So yeah, they might be selling a service for a thousand pounds, but the profit on that might only be 500 pounds. So you need to incorporate the conversion rate and the cost per lead or cost per sale on the profit margin. Because like I say, if you're, if you're bringing in 10 leads for a hundred pounds, they've got a 10% conversion rate. So for every 10 leads they bring in that, you, that cost you a thousand pounds that brings in a thousand pound of revenue, they're only making 500 pounds there, which means they're at a 500 pound loss for that cost per lead and for that conversion rate. Hopefully that makes sense. It's quite in depth. I'm actually going to do another video on that um, tomorrow. So keep an eye on it, but hopefully that makes sense. Um, I hope you enjoyed that video, guys. It's the end of the Q&A Sunday. Like I say, I'm going to be doing this every single Sunday. Sometimes there'll be Tom on there. Sometimes it'll just be me. Sometimes it'll be Tom. But we'll just go through rapid fire questions. Um, but I hope you enjoy. Please, please, please make sure you subscribe. And yeah, if you have any other questions that you want me to answer in future videos, drop in the comments below. And we'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m.